All right, well, let's take our Bibles and uh, continue our study in 1 Peter this morning. Remember, this time that Peter is writing is a time when persecution, I believe, is starting, but getting ready to really intensify in the Roman Empire. And you say, well, how would they know that? Well, let me ask you a question. If you look at our society today, would you predict within a short time we're going to see more persecution as Christians? Okay, so there's indicators if you're awake, right? I believe that their time, obviously no different than ours, in that there would be great indications, hey, this is the direction we're heading as things start to happen, okay? As we see in our society the continuation of religious freedom being oppressed, which has been going on for literally years. I mean, we can go back to the case of the baker who was sued because he stood up for his belief that he wasn't going to bake a cake for a homosexual couple, and the florist who did the same thing. And what's interesting is these folks were willing to deal with them for anything else except for marriage, because that's where it crossed the line that, that would offend or go against their faith and they said, no, I can't do that. Okay, so if this couple, quote unquote, had come in for a cake for a birthday or any other event, or flowers for any other event, they would have done it. It's just the fact that marriage, by God, is defined between one man, one woman. Therefore, they said no. Both of them ended up having major lawsuits because of it. And we have seen in our society, continued oppression. Now, we saw also, and this was several years ago also, Texas, there was a city in Texas that wanted all pastors to submit their sermon outlines before they could preach them to check for hate speech. Yes, in Texas. It, it failed, but it was a city trying to force that to happen. The definition of hate speech is really what's going to be used, I believe, against most of us pastors, what's going to put us in, in jail. Because this whole idea of you say anything against homosexuality or any perversion or any wickedness, that is hate speech. That's where we're heading, folks. So anyhow, the church in Peter's time is getting ready to face great persecution. But it reminds them, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed has the idea of being praised. You know, no matter the circumstances, God still deserves our praise, does he not? God has never made a mistake. He knows your situation. He knows where you are. But as Christian, the praise of God should be always on our lips no matter what. We should not be living under the weather or under the circumstances. Now, it is a rainy day today, and I'm extremely tired. I told Shannon that. I said, I'm tired today. She goes, it's raining, Dad. It's just because of the rain. I'm like, okay, we'll go with that. But it still doesn't give me an excuse to have a bad day and be miserable, does it? Oh, it's raining today. You know, we have too many Eeyores in Christianity. Oh, it's a good day, I guess, considering. How you doing? Oh, all right, considering. I'm alive. I'm above ground. Really, folks? Are we really that pessimistic in our lives? People ask me how I'm doing. One of the responses I sometimes give is fantastic. They're like, wow. Well... I am. I'm fantastic. I'm upright and going, you know, serving God. God loves me. I got a home in heaven. I mean, I'm doing fantastic, right? 
But Peter reminds us three things that God has done and is doing for us according to his mercy. So we're going to read 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, or which, according to his abundant mercy, hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith, unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So three merciful things that I want us to notice. First of all, our perfect hope. Our perfect hope in verse 3. Secondly, our protected inheritance, and we'll see that in verse 4. And then lastly, our present keeping in verse 5. You and I need to understand God's mercy to us. So this morning's message is titled, Praise God for His Great Mercy. Father, I pray you guide us now and to focus on what a wonderful God you are and who you are. And may we be thankful for it in Christ's name. Amen. We have a perfect hope. We are born again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. Begotten us again, or born again. John 3, 3, answered and said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We know we were all born physically. I still don't understand why we have to have a birth certificate to prove that we're born. I don't think anybody here was hatched. And you're standing in front of me, so... I'm pretty sure there was a time when you were born. But anyhow, government thinks you got to prove that. But that doesn't get you into heaven. It's being born again. Being regenerated, given a new life, a spiritual life. Being quickened from the dead, being made alive in Christ. You see, you and I have been adopted into the family of God. Galatians 4, 5 to redeem them that were under the law, they might, right, that they might receive the adoption of sons. Now, under Roman law, when a son was adopted, he was given all the blessings, privileges, and responsibilities of a natural-born son. He became inalienably co-heir with the other children. All previous debts and responsibilities to former family were abolished as though they had never existed. Now, think of that. When God adopted me into his family, all previous debts, when I was a child of Satan, when I was a child of hell, I deserved hell, right? All that debt is forgiven. And now it's as if it never existed. And now I am adopted into his family and have all these same blessings, privileges, and responsibilities of a natural born son. We'll talk a minute in a minute about the inheritance waiting for us in God, but uh, waiting for us in heaven. But I want you to think about: I have all the blessings of being a child of God. But he says in the middle of the verse, "Hath begotten us again to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead." I am glad that our hope is not a dead hope. You know, so many people today use the word hope. I hope so. Are you going to make it to heaven when you die? I hope so. You know, the hope so of today is a wishful thinking. The hope that you and I have is a living hope. It is a calm assurance of what we know is going to come. I love the way Peter writes this. He says, a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
The fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead gives me hope and assurance that I also am going to rise from the dead. Did Paul not elaborate on this back in 1 Corinthians rather, chapter 15? Let's go back there, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 12, Paul writes, Now, if Christ be preached he rose from the dead, how say some among you there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. If Christ be not risen, then our preaching, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, from whom we raised up not, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is Christ not raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain, and ye are yet in your sins. Then they also, which have fallen asleep in Christ, are perished. If in this life (coughs) only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead, and become the firstfruits of them that slept? For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man after his order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. What a beautiful argument Paul lays out. If Jesus Christ is truly not raised from the dead, then why do you believe what you believe? Why are you here this morning? You are literally wasting your time if Jesus Christ is not raised from the dead. Because you might as well live like the world, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, because you're just going to perish just like everybody else if Christ truly is not raised from the dead. But... Christ is raised from the dead. Therefore, what you believe is true, and there is going to come a time, because Christ is raised from the dead, that gives you that lively hope that one day you also are going to rise from the dead if he doesn't come and take you home first. But even then, you're going to put off this mortal body and put on an immortal body, just not going through the veil of death, but will still be changed. Amen? So that's what Peter means by a lively hope. Now, a church that's about ready to face persecution needs encouragement. Are those not encouraging words? Absolutely they are. And so Peter is giving them this encouragement. Hey, we have a perfect hope. It doesn't matter how bad it's going to get under the reign of Nero. We still have the perfect hope that we are going to be with Christ for all eternity. So... If that's not good enough, let's move on to point number two, our protected inheritance. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and if fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. The adopted son has part in the inheritance, and they cannot be removed from the inheritance. Now, you might get inheritance from an earthly father. I have some things at home that my dad has passed down, and he said, I wanted to ensure you had these before I die. It means something to me. Now, when we think inheritance, we usually think money, but it can be some of the family heirlooms passed down and whatnot as well. But the point being is what we get here on earth is corruptible. It's going to pass away. Some do get money, but they're going to, It'll be spent, many times it's spent and forgotten. 
Sometimes it's things, but they'll tarnish, become brittle, have imperfections, become damaged. But let's look at the inheritance God gives us. To an inheritance incorruptible, not liable to corruption or decay, it's imperishable. Undefiled, unsoiled, unstained, no imperfections, and fadeth not away, it is permanent. That sounds like a much better inheritance than what we get here on earth, doesn't it? Now, I love this part. Paul tells us in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, In whom you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. Now, we don't call it earnest money today's society. We call it a down payment. So when you buy a house, they want you to put down money on it, called a down payment. Well, we have an earnest given to us of the inheritance that we will receive in heaven. And Paul tells us that earnest is the indwelling Holy Spirit. Now that is amazing to me because when I think of the, of the Holy Spirit of God, God living in me, and God says, yeah, that's just a down payment. What must be waiting for us? That's got to be glorious because I already have now the God who created this universe dwelling in me who is the author of Scripture, who illuminates me in the Scripture, who helps me apply Scripture to daily living, who convicts me of sin, who gives me guidance, who gives me comfort, and yet God says, that's just a down payment. Folks, do you understand why it's important for us to focus on the eternal and not the temporal of this world? If that's just the down payment that we have now, what must heaven be like? Folks, we don't deserve any of it. And we can never do enough to earn it. So we're not working to earn it. But God has loved us so much that that's what he has given us. How dare we do anything but give ourselves wholly, completely to him? And then the last words of the verse, reserved in heaven for you. This is in the perfect tense. In other words, our inheritance has already been placed in safekeeping and continues to be there. Reserved has the idea of attend to carefully or guard. It's reserved in heaven where thieves can't break through and steal. I was bored the other day. So I turned on the TV and I saw this thing it said about the world's greatest heist. And it was about this guy who broke into this vault that had all these diamonds and everything in it and stole millions and millions of dollars worth of stuff. He had a whole team of guys with him. And it was talking about how this was supposed to have like 10 layers of security, how this was supposed to be impenetrable vault that nobody could break into. And that's why all these millionaires were investing and putting their stuff in these safe deposit boxes because there, there was no way anybody could ever possibly break into this vault. And they did. Stole millions of dollars worth of 
goods got caught, but all the goods were never found. I would hate to have been one of those millionaires that trusted that particular establishment to hold my stuff. Because they had promised they're never getting in here. You know, we often make promises we can't keep. But God's character, what he promises, he must keep. Because he cannot lie. When he said your inheritance is reserved in heaven, that means it's reserved in heaven. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to get insurance on it because it's safe. It's now nobody's going to touch it. They can't touch it because God has said so. So that's number two. <clears throat> Let's look at the third in verse five, our present keeping. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I am kept by the power of God. Now, just stop and think of that phrase, kept by the power of God. What is the power of God? Well, there's the creative power that, by His very Word, spoke these worlds into existence. There is His power to save, His power to deliver. Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they were cast into that furnace, they should have been burned up. You know how we know that? Because the Bible tells us the men who threw them in there were burned up. That's a hot furnace, folks. But all the fire did was loose their bonds, set them free, so that they could walk in the fire with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has the power over death and hell. God has infinite power. Dr. Henry Morris puts it this way. He says, Our keeping is not by our works or even by our faith, though it is received through faith, but by the power of God. My keeping is not by anything I do. So, perseverance of the saints, Mr. Calvinist. I don't have to persevere in order to ensure that I continue in the faith. Now, I should work because I love God and I want to serve God. But I am kept not by anything I do, but I am kept by His power alone. Amen. So what does it mean to be kept? To guard, to protect, to keep watch over. Again, this is in the present tense, which means it is an ongoing action. God is always, if I can say, on the job. He's always alert. He's always watching. He's always keeping you. He's always protecting you. Nothing takes him by surprise. He is, on, he is vigilant. He knows where you are. He knows what's going to happen. In the song we sing day by day, it has this line. It says, the protection of his child and treasure is, on a, is a charge that on himself he laid. Think of that line. That's a very, very good, theological, theologically correct line in a song. Which, and I say that because so many songs have ones you're like, yeah, that's actually not true. But okay, this one actually has very sound doctrine. The protection of his child and treasure is a charge that on himself he laid. Now, think of the character of God. God cannot fail. God cannot lie. 
God is all-powerful. You are kept under the power of God. Therefore, you're kept. It's going to happen. It is happening. Let's look at the illustration of this. Take again, turn back to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, we'll start at verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Now, I've heard it explained this way, and I think this really gives a lot of comfort. You and I are in the hand of Jesus Christ. That's secure, is it not? But just in case you ever think that that may not be secure, his hand is in the Father's hand. That's doubly secure. Isn't that amazing? You're not going anywhere, Christian. You're secure. No man, and by the way, that includes yourself, can pluck you out. Who are kept by the power of God through faith and the salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I can't wait till Jesus Christ comes back. And all this will be revealed. Our inheritance, we'll see what it is. We will be raised anew in Christ. Now, again, if the rapture were to happen today, we're not going to be going by death and being raised again, but we will be putting on an incorruptible body in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed. I think we'll have a fuller understanding of how God has kept us and protected us through our years, don't you? When we get to glory. So despite the circumstances, despite the darkness around us, let us remember our Father and rejoice in Him. He in His mercy has given us a lively hope, a perfect hope. He has protected our inheritance and given us a down payment of the Holy Spirit. So what is our inheritance? Well, we're just going to have to wait and see. You know, it's interesting. There are glimpses of what heaven's going to be like given to us throughout Scripture, all of which are magnificent and glorious. But really, God didn't take a lot of time, if you will, to reveal to us everything about heaven. He told us enough about how to get there. He told us some about heaven. But I think couple things. Number one, we don't need to know yet, right? Two, it might spoil the surprise, right? Um, and we're going to have all eternity to find out what it's all about. So we really didn't need to know yet. But he in his mercy keeps us day by day. So Christian, we need to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord, no matter what, no matter the circumstances, no matter the darkness around us, you and I can still have true joy.